Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Been so oh yeah, go on, mate. What are you saying? I just, the, even the preseason's been weird, hasn't it? Just now we haven't got a match for like a week. It's just such a weird. Everything just seems really weird. It, well, that's that's a good place to start, Bill. How how you doing, mate? Yeah. Welcome back to Rule the Roost, everybody. Um, as you can hear, that's the voice of Billy T there calling in from from holiday. I quite like this, mate. This is like, you know, you know, talk sport when Alan Brazil's out somewhere in the Costa del Wine or whatever, and he's he's drinking it, he's living it up. That's haven't uh, haven't had as many yeg ones as him yet, but <laughs> we'll get there later. I mean, we'll get there later. But yeah. it's, it's, it's such a weird time to go on holiday. It's like trying to sort of switch off and everything, but then like something you're about to destroy the world. It feels like so. Yeah, it's not really been the most relaxing settings at the moment. We we hoping that your powers could do a bit of a you know an Alistair Gold and we'd sign a couple of centre backs with you going away. Yeah, I mean, I don't think even Alistair Gold can bring that on at the moment because. <laughs> What the fuck, man? It's just like, no, what? Where has all the news gone on the centre backs? It's just like complete radio silence for like two weeks. Well, I've I've liked I've been enjoying your kind of <laughs> general like quote tweeting of whenever somebody says, "Oh, Tottenham are apparently still monitoring the situation with Tapsoba," and that's about as far as we get, isn't it? It's one of those weird things. Like there was a, a period a few weeks ago where it's like every single day we were getting like the same update from Romano and I'm not just saying you know they, they're you know, progressing with both deals they're going to decide between which one and I so got to a point now it's so bad that I actually long for those days I long for those sort of you know hourly Romano updates saying they're going to get for both because now even that's disappeared and we just got like nothing there's just absolutely nothing it's like a void of emptiness around centre-backs um, it's alright though we've only got you know two weeks before their season starts but who cares about that it's a bit weird isn't it I mean, where are you at with Spurs at the moment, mate? Because there's a lot of, you know, you're too negative, you're too positive. And I know that's pretty much a, a, an accurate characterization of our fan base at the, at the best of times. But it feels to be like pretty kind of strong at the moment, right? The divide in people. I mean, look, I, there's always a big, div- I mean, there's been a big divide in Spurs fans for the past few years now, hasn't there? And I guess my 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 point is that it seems like the, even the early Ange optimism, that kind of unity that came with his appointment and the first few press conferences and stuff, has all but gone already, right? Yeah, I feel like um, I'm sort of in a sort of place where both those things are existing at once. Like I'm generally really excited about Ange. I think it's a great appointment. I think he'll get us playing good football. But at the same time, the reality is we're just about to sell our best ever player, and the sort of 
the more that that sort of becomes likely, the more sort of doom that you sort of feel as a Spurs fan because, um, you know, not just because of what's going to happen this season, it's the likelihood that there are all kinds of things playing into that. that one, it will probably will ne- never get a player that good again. And two, the fact that he didn't win anything at Tottenham is probably one of those things which I'll sort of look back on as like an 80-year-old moaner, sort of, you know, to my grandkids that I can't believe we didn't win anything with Harry Kane. No. That's going to be one of those things which will probably sort of sit with me for the rest of my life, to be honest. I mean, there's no, there's no sort of real easy way to, to, to I don't know, to, to lose a player like Harry Kane, right? But do you see any? Because I mean, I see a few people trying to put a positive spin on this. He he won't fit Ange's system, or at least he won't go to Chelsea on a free now. I mean, where are you? Where are you at with with? Kane and his future because I mean this is I mean we've there literally could be like as the time of recording this Monday lunchtime there could be a here we go I mean we joked about that but that's where we're at now it feels like it's end game with with him and Spurs now right um yeah I think like so the thing for me is that I, I don't care about the financials at all I don't think there's any kind of money which can justify selling Harry Kane he's worth far beyond any kind of um, financial gain or any kind of transfer fee. It's, it goes completely beyond that for me. But the, the thing that you mentioned about him going to Chelsea on the free, I, don't, I personally don't subscribe to the feeling that he would go to Chelsea. But if you think this is bad now, like this this whole Bayern unit thing, imagine it in a year's time when he's sort of be talking to Man United and talking to Man City and talking to, you know, and Chelsea will definitely put an offer, and let's be honest, but I don't think he would do that. But and it will sort of be like a sort of live countdown to his last ever game for Spurs, and it would be awful. But I think the only positive I can take is that he's not going to be in the Premier League because I, I think as a football fan, um, seeing him in the Premier League would play against Tottenham and you know scoring week in week out for another Premier League club would absolutely genuinely break me. Like, I, I wouldn't be able to enjoy football in the same way. I wouldn't be able to watch match of the day like ever again while he's doing that. Um, I think if there is any positive to take is that I, I personally would want to avoid at all costs him playing for another Premier Like, just imagine him coming to our ground with another Premier League club, even if it's not Chelsea or Arsenal, even if it's Man United or Man City. Um, imagine watching him score against us in our ground. That, for me, that would be the last point of, of any sort of football fandom that I've been involved in in the last first support in life, um, at least for avoiding that. And the good thing about it is I will never, ever watch a Bundesliga game in my life, so I'm not really <laughs> going to be watching him play in the unit. I'm not, it's going to be sort of like out of sight, out of mind. So if there's anything positive to take it as that um, and just the fact that we won't be hearing about it every single day for a year when we've got a new manager um, who is obviously already about three, four weeks into his reign been massively frustrated by this every single press conference being put, spoken about it so if you think that's bad now imagine how much that would be around you know come January when his, his contract is literally running out it would be every single match every single game would be you know this is the last time Harry Kane's going to play Arsenal this is the last time Harry Kane's going to play Man United or something so I do think there are some positives to have, but it goes far beyond like final. I don't think there's any positives to gain on the actual football pitch for us because um, he's the best player that we've ever had and he's impossible to replace in every single way. Because I've, I've seen people say, well, we've lost Bale, we've lost Berbatov, we've lost Sheringham, we've lost Modric, but he's he's bigger than all of them, right? And I mean, I'm talking even like respective to the team as well because all those players were phenomenal players 
Bale and Modric, especially when, well, I mean, all, to be fair, all of them, all of them, I think Berbatov even won a Champions League with United, didn't he? Sheringham definitely won, you know, part of that famous treble team. Was sort of the cherry on top of that team, really. Um, so they've all gone on and been very successful after Tottenham, but Sheringham, I, I would say, probably relatively speaking, was the 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 closest thing to it, I think. And I'm not talking in terms of quality. I'm just talking in terms of like how important and how big a player Sheringham was for Tottenham and how we had pretty much naff all else around him. And I'm not saying we got naff all else. We got Hummin Son, who's an absolutely fantastic player who in any other Tottenham team goes down as... I mean, he should still go down as one of our greatest ever players. I do think his legacy is somewhat overshadowed by Kane because they've played alongside one another. I was talking to my mate Jack about it the other day about Benzema's legacy. Yeah, Benzema's like the fourth or fifth highest scorer in La Liga history, but people sort of talk about him as like, oh, he's a good player um, because he played alongside Ronaldo, if you get what I mean. But I mean, with with Kane going, like, there is there is obviously for me there is this huge sentimental pull, and there is all that stuff. But I re- I I really I've got. I do have concerns about just his ability, his goals, his leadership, his, his just the fact he's our linchpin. That leaving the team. I mean, I know he's been flappy for the past couple of years, but l- losing Larice and Kane in one summer is pretty massive, and I don't think people are really talking about that enough. And we can brightside it and say, well, maybe we need a new change of leadership and all that type of thing yeah okay fine but you can't take away from the fact that you know we've been a a Champions League regular now in in the duration of Kane's career we've been a team that's been challenging for stuff and annoyingly not gotten anything over the line and it really feels like losing a player of his of his magnitude I, I just can't see us getting over that at all mate I mean Arsenal, look, look at where Arsenal are now. They're pretty much only back to a really good place after, what, I think 13, 14 years since Thierry Henry went. And they've never, ever managed to replace him, you know. And I just, I think people have been, I just think people have been a bit too kind of blasé about, like, just Kane can go and it's fine because I don't, I, I, I don't agree with that at all, man. I don't, you know, we, we're, banking a lot on Richarlison too who I, I'm a big fan of Richarlison I love the guy I really hope it comes good but he was not very good last year at all Sonny another player who I'm speaking about who I love a lot there are starting to be some question marks over him his age his physicality and such Kulisevsky has you know not come close to the kind of levels he was at in the first season we signed him we've got James Madison in there now who is going to add a lot of goals and assists hopefully to the team but you know losing Kane it's not just a kind of fairy tale oh yeah you know we've lost this player who we all love but don't worry we'll get over it like I think you know I think the team at the moment could be in real big trouble without him and I I I do have concerns over that do you you know what I'm saying or am I being too alarmist I don't I think um I think what we're talking about here is replacing Harry Kane is an impossible it's an impossible task because if you look at the sort of like the history of Premier League, like how many players 
how many strikers could you have and say that if I put you in the Premier League next season, you're definitely going to score 20 plus goals, like, which is what Kane has done for the last 10 years running pretty much, um, barring a couple of injury hit seasons or something like that. Um, there's, there's probably like Henri, like you mentioned, there's maybe Aguero, there's Shearer. It's like a, there's literally a handful of players that are as consistently good at getting goals as he is in the history of the actual Premier League. So the fact that we are now tasked with emulating that again is it's impossible. It's not it's not possible at all. Um, and then like sort of the the thing is that sort of the whole thing. I think it's just a real shame that our sort of downfall under Enik has sort of coincided with his contract running out at the same time. Like, I just feel like the rot that has been setting in over the last few years we've had Mourinho, we've had Conte, and it's been a generally miserable time. It's just such a shame because there is a world where we could have maybe convinced Harry Kane to renew. We could have, you know, this, it, it didn't have to be this way. It's my, my biggest worry about the whole thing. Like, we could have shown, you know what, this transfer window we're going to do better. We're going to go and buy all these, you know, some decent quality players. Like, at, at the beginning of this transfer window, I was sort of in a position where I was thinking, you know, We've got Madison in. Um, we've got maybe because you know I know some people are starting to the doubts are starting to creep about Bakario a little bit, but maybe if we bought David Reyes straight away, we bought the two centre backs, then we get a new manager on Ange. Maybe there's a world where you know Harry Kane's thinking actually, do you know what? I might stick around for a little bit longer. I just feel like the whole thing is sort of a symptom of the mismanagement of the football team, and for me that is the biggest regret. It's not like Harry Kane living in Tottenham is inevitable at this point because he's only 30, he's only 30 years old. Got four or five years left on. There is a, a very realistic world where Harry Kane could have played for Tottenham for his whole career. And to, to be honest, sort of beyond sort of replacing him and what happens after, that regret of that is for me the biggest thing which I will sort of take from this is it could have been different. And the fact that it's not different, I think, is unforgivable for the ownership, to be honest. I think like they should have done everything they can to keep Harry Kane in this sort of rather than just him getting to his last few contracts saying, no, 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 don't go, we're going to offer you five hundred grand a week. Harry Kane does not care about the money. He wants to play for an ambitious Premier League team. He wants to play for a team that are going to be competing for honours. And Tottenham could have done that. That's what, you know, they said the stadium was supposed to be doing to us. We finished eighth last year. Eighth. Harry Kane cannot be playing for a Premier League team that finished eighth. It's not feasible means for his future. It's not something which can happen. So, you know, I think beyond the sort of replacing him and what we're going to do next and are we going to get over it, just the fact that it could have been different is for me the biggest sort of misery of the whole situation. How much do you buy that he's at he's at fault for that, mate? Because you know that's a kind of that's a, a concurrent narrative of all this, isn't it? That well, he's had the chances. He's been in a Champions League final. He's been in two League Cup finals, a couple of FA Cup semi-finals, a couple of title races. Do you buy at all that he could have done more? <laughs> Sounds almost um, like ridiculous to say, doesn't it? But. Yeah, I think if you look at the teams that we, we played in those finals, like Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, they're all the teams that. Um, have been more successful than us anyway. It's like, I think if you looked at a, a final against one of those teams where Harry Kane missed like five sitters and totally bottled the chance or something, um, then maybe you could say that. But we've, I've never been in one of those finals thinking, oh, we should have won that. We played amazingly there and Harry Kane's missed those chances. I think like, there's much more, there's so much more at play than just single, single-handedly blaming Harry Kane. I don't think we've ever really played well in any of those finals that you mentioned. Um, the Liverpool one, I think, yeah, we had a lot of chances in possession. Not something I tend to revisit mentally anyway, but we had a lot of chances in possession in that one. But there's simply for the fact that Liverpool won it up straight away. I'm sure if they, you know, if we hadn't, if they hadn't scored early, then it would have been a totally different game in the first place because we we have a horrendous record against Liverpool. Um, so no, I don't really buy into that fact at all, and I don't buy into the fact that he doesn't do it when the going gets tough either, and all like the biggest occasions because 
he scored against every single Premier League team multiple, multiple times. And like, he basically dragged his team this season um, into eighth place, which is a ridiculous statement in itself when you think about whether it's Tottenham Hotspur, you know, a traditional Champions League team over the last 10 years or so. But he stood up and be, was counted this season at a time where pretty much no one else was. So I don't really buy into that narrative at all, to be honest. I mean, because th- this is the thing, right? Nobody's really talking about the fact that Erling Haaland wasn't the star of the show in the Champions League final, right? But he's had that crazy team around him that's gotten that over the line. You know, City City weren't even that good in the in the Champions League final, but they've got players all over the pitch that can make stuff happen, right? Yeah, I think our sort of general mentality as a, as a club and team as a whole is a much more significant issue than pinning it whole, solely on Harry Kane because... Um, I've never really been in one of those finals that we had and just thought, oh, we've, you know, we've been the better team there. We should have won that. Or anything. We've always been playing a team that is generally more successful than us. And we've never really turned up as a team on the day either. Like, we just sort of, that's kind of our thing, isn't it? Like, we just don't really turn up to those. You know, I think it, there's a, a much wider issue there at play than just Harry Kane. What, what do you think that's about, mate? What, where do you think that stems from? I don't know. I think it comes from a lot of things that you could put, point to the sort of, when we were really, really good, I remember, for example, that Chelsea game that we played. Um, they, we were sort of getting into the game a little bit, and they brought on Hazard and Costa, didn't they? I think, if I remember rightly, it's like we've never really had the full squad to be able to fully fire on those kind of occasions. Like we've always had a great eleven. We've never quite provided the manager or the team with like an amazing squad to be able to change on those effectively. And I think most of the times we were in those finals, it was like we were sort of and the Champions League final in particular. We were so threadbare as a squad but Harry Kane was not fit in that final he just wasn't he racing for fitness in the Man City final as well it's like I think we've never had a squad which is ready to compete on lots of different fronts and we sort of when we've made it to those positions we haven't had the enough quality in the squad to get across the line Um, whereas if you look at Man City for example I'm not saying obviously that we have the tools to be able to have a squad like Man City but that is essentially the difference between us is that we don't um you know the Champions League finals, and they've got so many players on the bench that they can bring on. And like, if you really, really want to be competing for titles in this era of Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, then you have to have that squad. And we've never really we've had great, some great teams and great 11s, but we've never had the squad which uh, gets you over the line. I don't think. So where, where's the balance? Because look, we, we're talking about football, this game the way it is now. We're seeing what's happening with the Saudi League. We see, you know, what happened in China a few years ago. It didn't really take off at all, did it? But outside the leagues, you know, you've got Manchester City, you've got Newcastle now, you've got PSG. Various teams that have, like, completely warped the context of football transfers, of what success looks like, of how hard a team needs to compete to actually be successful as well. I mean... Any other era, I've said it before on here plenty of times, but in any other era, this Liverpool team is probably looking back on having won three Premier Leagues and, you know, one Champions League, maybe a couple of FA Cups on top of that. And it's, I get it, it's quite funny and we all like to have a laugh at Liverpool, but on a rivalry aside, clapping emojis, do you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you have to And uh, Arsenal as well, Arsenal last season, you know, yeah. they, like, they would have, would have won that league if it wasn't for the sort of, um, you know, the Man City robotic juggernaut that it is. But, you know, in that instance, I'm glad that it didn't happen. But, it's, you know, it's, it's impossible to... Personally, I, I don't see Man City slipping up the league title until 
Guardiola does. So I just think kind of it, talking about existential feelings on a holiday, but you know, what is the point of any of it anyway? You can do whatever you want and then Man City is still going to win the league anyway, so who cares? So this is what I mean though. Do you think at all this kind of thing, do you think this factors into the the ownership of Spurs? Do you think for for a while they've thought, well, you know, we're, we're a decent team, um, but really, you know, to, to get up there, to actually win it, we're going to have to drop half a million and we're not going to do that. So, you know, whatever, it doesn't, you know, we'll be all right. We can canter along at fourth, third, fourth place as best we can, maybe have the odd fifth, sixth place finish. But do you think there is really that appetite there to win in a sporting sense? And if there's not, doesn't that then make it harder to reconcile? Because this, this is where I'm sort of landing now. I've always been very keen to give the ownership a pass. Not give them a pass, but try and find at least some kind of balance to it. Because in my own thinking, I'm like, well, I've seen Spurs be very, very bad. The sugar years, the kind of 90s, noughties. I guess that was a sort of very tail end of sugar, the, the noughties. And then Enoch came over pretty soon into that. But still, that we we have been on an upward trajectory. But it seems to be that we've kind of found a level, which is being a Champions League level side. And they're just sort of happy to stay there. So if if that is the case, why are we paying the most expensive ticket prices in the country? Why are we kind of, you know, why are we just swallowing all these promises that were made about, you know, the stadium bill not affecting spending ring fence budgets all this type of thing and i mean i'm not i'm not really i'm not triggered by the idea of us having concerts in the state i actually think it's smart i think it's smart to have a big fucking building that's empty for most most of the year when it's not you know basically saturdays or the odd midweek cup game it's just smart to to use that in a way to to bring money into the club but if we're not actually seeing any of that money start to come into the sporting side of it are we just getting a bit mugged off? Because, I mean, really, the the fans are the ones that are paying for the stadium, right? The fans are the ones that are paying for the various investments around the ground, whatever pieces of property and stuff like that we're hearing that are being developed by Enoch in Tottenham or the surrounding area. That's all just coming from fan revenue because most of you know. The, all the debt at Spurs is all borrowed. I'm pretty. I'm not. I'm by no means an expert on this type of thing. But from what I understand, that this is all borrowed money. It's all borrowed money, which is borrowed off at the back of Tottenham being a big club with a big fan base that will pay a lot of money for tickets and will continue to do so and are doing so. Five million pounds a match day. You know, it's. It all is just starting to feel a bit. I don't know. Grubby. Is that the. Is that. Is that the way I can put it? I just. I feel a bit, I think, I feel think, a bit um, mugged off, Bill. You know, I think, I think in answer to your question, I think we're undoubtedly being mugged off. That is, is actually quite sickening, really. Some of the things that they're doing. So, like, the sort of the problem is for as a fan base is, you know, our life revolves around football, and our life involves talking about football, going to football with our family. You know, this is something which is passed on through our families and our, you know, to kids and to our mates, and sort of our whole social life revolves revolves around this stuff. And they're exploiting that for their own sort of game because I think the, the the biggest problem for me is the sort of the lies that we're being told as a football club, the lies that we're being having to swallow as fans. Because I think there was an interview in 2015 with Daniel Levy where he said the stadium would be a game changer for us, it would allow us to compete at the very top level. Well, we're now four or five years into the stadium, the game has not changed. And in fact, 
you could argue we're in a worse off position now than we were even before we had to stay yeah. in the first place. Um, we're making record amounts of revenue, record amounts of sponsorship deals, record amounts of match day revenue. We're literally the sort of, I think in terms of match day revenue, we're the second um, highest in the world in world football and sort of top five in world sport, let alone football. Um, and we're not seeing an increase in sort of, you know, expenditure. Like this, take this transfer window in isolation, for example. Like we're still handling over these centre backs. We've had them for a while. And like, I think the biggest thing for me is, which I've always thought about the owners, is they're sort of, reactive not proactive and i think the problem mm. is now whereas if you don't if you're not willing to spend and you're not willing to compete and you don't sort yourself out it's not that you're just going to fall out of the top four and now you've got aston villa you've got brighton you've got you know all these teams that are coming through we're in real danger of competing for like eight or nine teams for the top half let alone sort of you know top four anymore now that newcastle are in the mix brighton are in the mix aston villa are in the mix so unless we sort it out really really quickly we're in danger of like fading away but i think the exploitation of the fans' loyalty um, is a really, really difficult subject because, for example, we're all absolutely furious about the the ticket prices that have risen, but then Man United and Liverpool and Sheffield United sold out in record time, um, which I don't blame fans for sort of that juxtaposition no. of it's, an, it's annoying and, you know, I don't blame fans because they know that we're loyal to our football club and we always will be, whether that, you know, Daniel Levy's there or not, our football club will we'll still be Tottenham fans at the end of it, will be Tottenham fans long after they are here. Um, and I think it's just disgrace that they exploit that um, because they simply know that they can. Um, and I don't really know what the answer to it is because if I don't take up my season ticket, if I don't buy a ticket to Man United, someone else will. And they know that so they can get away with it. So I don't know what the answer to this, that situation, but I just think it's really unfair. And as you say, it's grubby, but they exploit that loyalty um, because they know that fans, you know, Tottenham is our life. And I think it's a disgrace that they, they exploit that fact. I think the thing that annoys me is because I do, I mean, what I do want to, you know, be clear to say is that I do realise that we do spend money. I don't, I don't like, I'm not saying that you're saying this. I'm just saying that, you know, one of the big things is that Spurs don't spend money. And I don't agree with that. But I do question the way in which we do spend money. Because if you even look over the past few years, a lot of our deals are often very opportunistic ones. As in like, you know, James Madison, great signing. Um, I, I am very happy with him if I was to put a slightly negative spin on it I'd probably say you know it's stuff that I've observed when he's not been at Tottenham in that he's quite a streaky player and there's probably a reason why he's at Spurs and there's probably a reason why we got him fairly easily because we're top of the pile of teams that probably weren't that interested in when you think about Liverpool think about City United maybe could have made a home for him but they got Bruno Fernandes who's a similar type of player you know, so I mean, like we we managed to get him because Leicester had gone down. They needed to shed him. They needed to get rid. So they know it's a pretty pain-free deal. Bentancur, Kulusevski. You know, it's it's Paratici with his like with his with his links in there to to get that type of thing over the line, right? We've we've seen kind of similar deals in the past with you know Romero is another one. Um, I mean, Pedro Porro, to, in fairness, in the interest of balance, is probably one of the few players I would say in the past few years that we've gone out to try and buy where the selling club haven't felt any sense of obligation to to, to get rid of the player. They haven't really needed to. I don't think his contract was anywhere close to running out or anything. And by the sounds of it, they gave us a pretty torrid time in getting him. And he's probably one of the players that, you know, I think we all appreciate that he's a very talented footballer, but many of us asked the question at the time, where if Conte goes at the end of this year, where does he fit? So, 
I don't know. It just it it seems it seems to be that we always come into these sort of stumbling blocks. Where we find ourselves in these never-ending spirals. These these transfer stories that drag on and on and on and on. When we come for a player where the selling club doesn't really need to or want to get rid of him, Van de Ven taps over at the moment, respectively, from what I understand anyway, two of the best players at their respective clubs. And so the selling clubs are saying, well, yeah, they're, I mean, they're our best players, so this is the price, take it or leave it. And we just don't seem to, whether it's, you know, we don't know the guy, we can only go on what we hear, the sort of bits of information we get or the bits of ITK that we choose to believe or not believe. But you, what you understand from a lot of people in the game is that Daniel Levy has got a bit of an ego on him. He does like to get into these kind of mano a mano macho type competitions with other chairmen about how much he can, you know, grind them down and we we're seeing him do it with Bayern Munich at the moment right these kind of sort of petty moves where he's cancelling business meetings last minute and I find that quite funny because I think Bayern have acted pretty disgracefully in this whole Kane thing so you know sometimes you can appreciate when Daniel Levy does that life makes hypocrites of us all right but it would just be nice to see us for once too because we you know I was asking you earlier where do you think the kind of like the, the mentality that we don't win stuff where we don't seem to get things across the line and I do I've asked this question before on here but I do wonder if sometimes the the way in which the club conducts itself does play into that that really there isn't this feeling from the very top we're here to win shit we're here because we want to be the very best we want to be the team that goes out and wins stuff not well you know we're actually quite happy with our record profits this year, and we had a very we had a very exciting time under Maurizio Pochettino and Harry Kane. You know, he's been such a loyal guy, and we painted the side of a house for him. So that that's you know that's been that's been really good fun, and uh, you know we're going to have an F one track for you soon that you can come and visit, and you can abseil down the side of the ground, and you know it's it's all it's all good fun. But you know, come on, you you've got to understand here, guys. You've got to understand like we we can't be competing with. Newcastle and all this type of stuff but still of course I pay like loads and loads of, pay the most out of any other fan in the, in the whole country to come and watch us play though because uh, you know reasons it just it's, it's kind of eating itself a bit at the moment and because like you say the thing is I don't, I don't want every pod before the season to be like this like it has been and uh, yeah I know one would say like well, you're you're the one in charge of this pod, Jack. So don't make him this way. But it doesn't really feel like there's much else to talk about at the moment, other than the fact that we've not really done anything. We've covered off that Andrew's in. He's looks quite promising. What we what he's got us playing, but at the same time, you know, we've conceded off of basically every single attack we faced in preseason. We've only played two games. Um, the defence is clearly a massive issue and it clearly has been for some time now. So why isn't that being fixed? And thus that leads us to, to speculate along these lines, right? I, I don't know. What, what, what Can you pluck anything out from that, Billy? You know, am I being like overly negative or do you think there's some truth in any? 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I don't think, I think the, the thing is, like, we're not asking to... Tottenham to go out and spend like Man City levels of money. Like, if we'd have just signed Tatsoba and Vanda, um, you know, VTV at the beginning of the window, I think most fans would genuinely be very happy with the window. Like, I think that would be a great, you know, I know that sort of optimism that was there at the beginning. I think we've got those two centre backs over the line, Van Ven and um, Tatsoba. I think generally most people would be pretty happy with that and satisfied because it's quite clear that we need centre backs. Um, and for me, that is sort of the biggest issue that we have with these owners is that they don't, they never seem to sort of take that very final step being okay well let's just do a little bit more now to make sure that we're there for the future because don't get me wrong I'm, I'm really really happy with Ayans I'm a big fan of the way that he talks I'm a big fan of the way that he gets the teams to play and I actually think if you look at our squad we we have a pretty decent team to play Angeball as well we've got a great set of midfielders like the Suma um, you know Lo Celso let's look at completely different players yeah we've got Saar who's a you know, I absolutely love Sol. Yeah, some decent attacking time. If we just take Kane out of the equation, because I don't think it's going to happen. You know, we've still got Song, we've got Solomon, who looks pretty handy. We've got Kudusevsky, um, you know, we've got Richarlison. It's literally just one issue that we're facing, which is the centre-backs, and we haven't addressed it yet. And for me, that's kind of a big frustration, because, you know, at the start of the window, if we just got those two centre-backs in, you'd be looking at a completely different outlook now. Mm. And maybe even Harry Kane would think, actually... You know, I really like the way this manager is. I've, you know, I haven't played a second football at Scotland for a few years. It might have made absolutely no difference whatsoever and he was going to go. And, you know, he's always going to go this, this year or whatever. But you don't know unless you ask the question. Harry Kane has seen, oh, well, you know, I, do, I am playing with a completely different team now. This is not the team that I've been playing with over the last few years. Um, I saw, you know, I was reading this morning that from that Champions League team, you know, there's only Kane and Son that remain of that now. The rebuild is definitely starting. And you know, try not to be too doom and gloom about it. I think our recruitment over the last couple of years has definitely improved. I think we've brought some those players that you mentioned. It's getting there, but it's just the final, final step that we need. Like those two centre backs, get them in now, get them in, you know, three weeks ago, then see what happens. And I just feel like the more that we sort of, the longer we take to make those final, final decisions, that's what ends up costing us in the long run. Because now, say for example, we sign, you know, the, the centre backs tomorrow. We haven't got that long before Brentford, and then we might lose that Brent. Losing that Brentford game at the beginning of the season could have a massive, you know, knock-on effect for Ange. Whereas if he wins that game, go into the Man United game, everyone buzzing. You know, it's a huge opportunity to really build something new on Tottenham, which I am really, really excited about. Um, I just, I just want the club to do everything they can to give Ange that sort of step up, because he's already facing loads of battles already. Because he's Australian, he's coming from the Scottish League. 
as soon as he starts to lose a couple of results, you know that the media, the other fans are going to be straight onto him because he's already sort of coming from a place which we've not seen before in the Premier League. We've never had an Australian manager. Um, so why are we not just, just giving all the help that we can possibly as a football club? And, the, you know, we're Tottenham Hotspur. We're a club that makes loads and loads of money. We have loads and loads of revenue. We've played in the Champions League last season. Just buy him two centre-backs, please. Like, just give this guy the help that he needs. Because I actually think um, we could do something special. We really could so if we sort of back this guy. And if you forget the Harry Kane thing for one second, just... Just go out and buy in the centre back is all that you know. We're not asking to you to go and spend the levels that Man City is spending, the Saudi Arabians should be spending. Just give the guy a bit of a help. To, would, I think would be a real big start for the ownership. But at the moment, there's nothing. I'm completely silent on that. It feels like he's actually getting a bit wound up by it already, though, doesn't it? Like, he's, what is he saying? It's, oh, I wish we could. I wish we could get the centre backs delivered like my, <laughs> my wife has Amazon deliveries or something. Bit of banter for the dads that one, but you know what I mean. And I think also, like, for him, I think he, he just wants clarity on this, or closure yeah. on this Kane situation. Like, every press conferences that he's been in, every single one of them has mentioned the, the Kane thing already. I mean, really, there's no reason why this couldn't have been dealt before. And I know, like, I do totally agree with you. Like, Ben, oh, anyone who follows me on Twitter will know that I've been very vocal about it. I think Ben has been an absolute disgrace. I'm kind of glad that sort of Levy is giving them the run around a little bit. And, you know, because we do, you know, they are they are treating us like it's our, their right to have Harry Kane, our best ever player for quite disgraceful fee, to be honest, if the fees banned around so far are true. Um, talking about they're up in a bit of 75 million today, which is still nowhere near enough for me. Um, but also at the same time, like every single day that this goes on is a day where Ange must be thinking, I just need this done now. I, I need to know what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I just feel like we're at a place now where we need to get these centre-backs sorted. We need to get the Kane situation sorted because our Premier League is starting in two weeks. It's, um, you know, time is running out. What do you think James Madison's thinking, mate? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he, He's probably been buzzing, thinking, oh, I'm going to link up with H, be down at Tottenham. We can, I can sort of be a bit of a missing piece in the puzzle for them. Or do you reckon he was fully aware of the fact? Do you reckon he will have spoken to, to Harry Kane, just being like, look, mate, are you, are you going to stay or not? Obviously, they would have been together with England a lot. I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. But I also worried about the same question about Anne as well. In my head, I think you would hope that the board would sort of transparent and say, look, to be honest, if you come here now, the future of Hurricane is in the air. Um, it's, going to be, it's going to be a big thing over summer. We, we're not quite sure which way it's going to go yet. We're hoping to give them to stay, but we're not sure. What I really hope did not happen is that Daniel Levy said, we're not selling him under any circumstances <laughs> this summer. We'll deal with that next year. And then he's come in and now said, no, actually, you know what, I might actually accept that bid. I really, really hope that's not happened. So I know that there was an interview with ADB a few months back where he said that he was told that Gareth Bale was staying, I believe, and then he obviously was sold. So I don't know. I, I reckon Madison would probably be pretty aware that Harry Kane's going to go, to be honest. like I just That's another shame for me as well. I would love to have seen a team of Madison and Kane, like just one season, bang. I, I think it would have been such a fun team to watch. I think yeah. it's a shame that we're involved with that. But also, at the same time, like, the amount of times that Kane has had to drop deep this, you know, last few years, at least in Madison, at least if we're going to do one thing, we do have a player who can play a pass there now, which is a big thing, I think. On a positive as well, and I, you know, I do have some of those in me. I do really like the look of Basuma and Madison, like that kind of little partnership that seems to be growing. And if you put like Le Celso in the mix as well, the yeah. ways we're playing, like we—that's what I mean. We're so close to having a pretty decent, fun team. Like, I don't think. 
know, as much as we joke about the end of the world and everything, um, you know, there, there are some really good things there, I think, that we've got to work with, but we've just got to give this guy a big leg up. Man. He, he, it's the least that he deserves. He's coming to this football team, facing that Bill Battle straight away. Let's give him, give him a helping hand. Let's do, let's do some questions, Bill. Let's do some questions. Um, Patrick M at chopper underscore Tron says, as football is now dead, should we quit Spurs and go to Ryslip Gaelic football instead? Have you like, have you ever watched any Gaelic football, Bill? So I, I live in Ryslip and I was actually there the other day because my uh, end of term thing was there. I don't, I don't get it, man. I do not get it. I, it feels like it's quite like a sort of, I feel like something I would like. It's, it's kind of like half football, half rugby, isn't it? Which are a bit sort of ominously close to rugby there, which I would, I would worry about a little bit. But like, it sounds like, you know, the Irish great Lana. So I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, I've always thought like what would actually happen if I actually sort of men in black pen football out of my life completely. Like, would you actually do that? Like if someone offered you the chance to be like men in black pen, you don't like football at all and you will never think about it ever again. Oh. Would you do that? I don't know. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's tough, isn't it? Probably does. I, I mean, I know he's not the uh, he's not everybody's favourite anymore, but I do think, like as Maurizio Pochettino once said, you know, without football, this kind of emotion, you you know, there's not there's nothing else that can make you feel that way. And so, imagine you know, if your life though was just sort of you were like just a a badminton guy or something like that. You just sat down, <laughs> you watched a couple of badminton games. Week, An F1 like, guy. Nah. And the F1 guy, like you have no. The thing is with football is it's so emotionally draining at all. It's like all-consuming. Like I'm, as I was saying at the beginning of this podcast, like I'm on holiday. I'm constantly re- refreshing my Twitter to see what's going on with Harry Kane. <laughs> you know, I watch. I, I left my hotel to come and watch um, a game that's cancelled against Leicester. Um, you know, I'm watching a sort of I play against a Singaporean team on a. Like it's all-consuming your life, isn't it? Like you ever just think sometimes, what would my life be like about all of this sort of like nothing. Affects me on an emotional level, like football, like nothing, nothing at no, all. No, no, not as deep as that. So nothing think, even comes close. Think about that. Like Amsterdam, you know, not even, not even a chemical high comes close to Amsterdam. You know, it's no, it was no, cool. and that feeling when you, when you're in a, there's only certain balls which do it. Like if you're in like a Champions League knockout tie or a good a game against Arsenal, that feeling when the, when you score and that sort of high. There is nothing in life which comes remotely close, like a sort of like a last minute winner. Sometimes you'll just be watching Tottenham at, at the Tottenham Stadium and they'll go one and up against Brentford or something. It's a decent feeling, but if they go one and up against Arsenal, like that feeling of okay. pure ecstasy is this that's a time match, it's absolutely un- unmatched. But then at the same time, Tottenham lose against Arsenal, the whole week is ruined. Like nothing else has that effect on me in my life at all. So I'd be interested in Gaelic football, but I'd I've always wanted to just be like a snooker guy or something like that, one of those sort of relaxed sports you don't really attach to. Like, just get me in front of one of those for the rest of my life instead. Chaz and Dave like their snooker. Do you know what I mean? Snooker loopy. That's a big banger, that. Actually. Exactly. Um, Steve Davis is a uh, he's a DJ now. I've seen him, seen is him a couple of times. Yeah, it's really, really weird. What, what, like what type weird, of tunes? Like, he plays like ambient drone music and techno. It's really, really See? out there. So, like, ends up playing like in these sort of dark rooms. He's a massive techno head. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting that at all, but there you go. Um, Brett at BR Nurse says, <laughs> At what point into his debut did you give up on Vicario? What do, what do you make What do you make of Vicario, Bill? Because I'm, I'm sort of, uh, I, I was very excited about the signing of him. I heard a lot of like buzz out of Italy, all this type of thing. 
And I, I do have to admit, it's not the biggest sample size, but I have been a little concerned with how he's looked. He hasn't been that commanding, I don't think, in the in the appearances he has had. And I am sort of wondering if like Fraser Forster might start the season in goal. Yeah, I think it's one of those things like knives are out, aren't they? Like, yeah, I mean that. I, I saw quite a few people like hammering him for that uh, goal against um, the Lion City Sailors. I don't particularly think that was, he just got lobs really. Like, I don't think yeah. he's a massive like goalkeeper error or something. I think the problem is the Tottenham fan base when the knives are out, it's very hard to turn it around. Like, <laughs> um, and I think, like for example, Emerson, who I think is generally speaking has turned it around, so it's doable, but. I just worry for him that it's going to be one mistake, and especially the way that we play as the brand as well. Like he's going to be, you know, one misplaced pass to a Premier League team, and that's curtains for him. So I, I'm I'm not reading anything into preseason with him. I think I'll see how he does in the Premier League games, but I just feel like the nines are out. And I think that's again that's because of the whole Raya situation, which I know we were talking about yesterday. It's, it's depressing, isn't it? I'm You're a bit triggered by that. I mean, because they might be into passes. Do you? Because there was that part of me thinking, oh fucking hell, Arsenal signing him as their backup. But you know, I actually think they might be biffing off Ramsdale because the the way I look at this, right? I think about this. I don't even have that begrudging kind of. Oh, Ramsdale is such a gooner tosser, but he is quite good. Being real, and I'm not a Pickford ultra, but I sort of feel like if Ramsdale suddenly got made England number one and they dropped Pickford, I don't know if I'd be like. I don't think I'd be overly happy with that do you know what I mean so I wouldn't actually be overly surprised if because I think Ramsdale he did drop a few clangers didn't he in like the the business end of the season for Arsenal and I think Arteta's just he's a bit he's a bit cold with that kind of thing I think he sort of knows he has to just no sentiment get rid of any weaknesses in the side whatsoever if they want to beat Pep Guardiola right yeah, I think the funniest thing about it to me is this fan base have been saying, oh, no, honestly, he is good. Trust us. You don't watch him week in, week out. And now Raya comes on, oh, no, no, fuck off, Ramsdale. We, we, we were joking about all that stuff. Let's get, let's get someone else in straight away. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Ramsdale is good enough for a t- team that have aspirations for a Premier League team. And I think the worry about it for me is like they're just sort of like looking at all of their weaknesses and being like, oh, let's just go and buy a player yeah. there. Um, which is not what you want, is it? It's not what you want at all. Because I think when they've got Ramsdale in goal, you know, anything could happen. Like, he's a he's a very... He has this sort of that tendency to make calamitous errors and stuff like that, and he's not... But if they sort that out, that's another problem solved straight away. And now suddenly, you know, you're looking at that sort of title race that they're going to be in. Well, that's one problem solved. Right, so maybe another problem solved. It's like, Jesus Christ, what these guys are... Do you know what is really depressing is they're just being competent, aren't they? They're just yeah. being really competent. And... For a Spurs fan, that is the least thing that we want in the world is Arsenal being competent. So, yeah, a bit of a worry. Um, hopefully it will fall through and Ramsdale will be involved in more seasons. I don't think he's good enough. I just like the way that they pretended that he was for a season and as soon as another <laughs> goalkeeper comes along, we're like, oh, let's get him instead. And now the fans are really happy to see him get com- competition in inverted commas. I, I pondered on Twitter yesterday, Billy, and it, it does actually worry me a bit. It's not just kind of misery fishing. Do you think, like, you know, the Tottenham 3, Arsenal 0 in 2022 now? I think it was 2022, wasn't it? I was beating them 3-0 in that North London derby. Do you think, can you see that being a bit like that, the 4-1? If I was beating Liverpool in 2017? Because it really felt, like you say, it really feels like they are addressing a lot of things. And I just, I, I hate to say it, but I really, you know, 
I could see them just... Remember the season when Liverpool did win it? When they just suddenly turned up and they looked serious and they were just getting it done. I do have a sort of concern that Arsenal might do that this year and City, having just won the treble, might... Might be, does, but does Pep let does Pep allow Manchester City to be anything other than like relentless and no, terrifying? I think I think that's our only saving grace. Is that yeah. I I really can't see a world where man. Well, I think the sad thing about it is it does sort of usher in an era, era where they're going to be like around the top three for like the next foreseeable years, which is a shame because they are so far behind that. Um, and also, it's like a. It's a great sort of reminder to us that if we get it right with Postecoglou and back this guy, then you know they're not they're not spending money that we couldn't possibly spend. They're spending money which are you know we're pretty similar now as football club in terms of stature. If we sort of emulate their model, you know we could we do the same hopefully. But I do think it will sort of that the whole thing has ushered in a period where they're going to be like really really good now. But I just don't think anyone is going to beat Man City in title race anytime soon until at least Guardiola goes. But what's worrying for me is they could have like a decent Champions League run or something like that. Like, they're, they've really sort of come on over the last few years. But, um, yeah, thank God for uh, oil money and Man City's Here's a good one from Ben Haynes. Everybody knows Ben Haynes. When you're going full real football, man, saying things like football isn't what it used to be, what <laughs> what one thing makes you go peak gammon, the game's gone? For example, Spurs versus United FA Cup semi-final in 2018. At Wembley, there was a pre-match dab cam. <laughs> I actually saw this question and I've, uh, I've written down some of them. So um, I've, got, I've got a little bit of a list. So I've gone for YouTube watch-alongs where people are watching uh, sort of fan celebrities to just watch the game. Like that, I just can't get my head around whatsoever. You've ruined my, my new for... content stream for the season now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've gone for increasingly elaborate footy scram. Just have a sausage roll and fuck off. Um, <laughs> Rory Jennings, just put in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake Humphrey inspired high performance discourse. Um, forced banter between official club accounts on Twitter. The Fabrizio Romanification of transfer reporting. <laughs> Brighton. Yeah. <laughs> uh, trivial club partnerships that no one needs an official soap sponsor. And uh, the, the worst one of all for me is kids begging for football shirt below time. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, mate. It like, it just yeah, you know, I, I don't advocate kind of you know people hitting children, but you know, you know, it pushes you close to the edge, them, that one. Not, I think it's I think it's a Danish team or something. I think they just they banned it. They just been the first football club to officially ban it, which I think is you know that's a great sort of movement that I can definitely get behind the, the banning of that because it's so cringe well, it's, what's the worst thing about it is like the kid it's not the kid is it? it's the parent that wants yeah. the shirt it's the dad that wants that shirt it's not the kid the, kid, the dad is using that kid to, the dad's painted that sign last night and giving it to the kid to try and get it for himself let's be honest it's just out of order as well isn't it because a lot of the time as well players those shirts and stuff classically have always been like auctioned off after games and things for charities and that type of thing and like you say now there's this kind of increasingly like pr pressure to i mean the the worst ones really like the 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 the, the worst ones were when the kids would run onto the pitch at the end of the game do you know what i mean when the parents would like just tell them go on go and, go and grab like neymar or whoever they, get his they shirt they've found a few kids for life which i think is great way to get rid of that whole movie banning an eight-year-old for life imagine imagine bill like now at your age 
everyone being like, why don't you ever come to games, Bill? Well, when I was eight, my dad told me to go and ask for like, you know, <laughs> told me to go and ask for Rule Fox's shirt or something. Right. Speaking of Men in Black Pens, if that had actually happened, then maybe my life would be better off. It's going to save me a lot, of, a lot of ag in the future. Maybe that, yeah, maybe that's something you can do in your in your parenting mate now. Actually, that's something to to consider. Definitely, definitely something to look out for. Yeah, uh, Cody Mac at Comacdo. Um, he says when he's not um, complaining about Enoch, you can only watch one film on repeat for the rest of your life. What film do you choose? I mean that is tough. I'm yeah, a, see, I, I'm assuming. I so, what, what are your, what's your thoughts? Well, I, I, I'm I'm interested to know what the parameters are here because when he says you can only watch one film on repeat for the rest of your life, does I'm assuming right this means there's a TV or TVs that are around you most of the day, or maybe should we just say there's a TV at your house that is playing the same film on repeat forever, or does it simply mean you can't go to the cinema and watch new films? If you want to watch a film, the only one you can watch is this particular film. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm overcomplicating this. Okay. Yeah, I reckon it's the latter. So I, I thought I would go for a comedy because um, you you sort of want something which you can, for any mood you can watch. But when I was at uni, you know when, when you go to uni and you, you live in a house with students for the first time, and you want, mm. there's that two weeks where someone has to sort out the internet and no one does it, of course, because you're sort of left with nothing. And all we had in my university flat was a DVD with two episodes of Friends on. Yeah. And we just literally watched those two episodes like over and over again. It's like the things that were funny the first time you watched it become so unbelievably irritating. Yeah. That it's not. So my original answer would have been Super Bad, which is my favourite comedy. And it's I, a great film. I just think it would just be. So, I think a comedy would be so annoying. There. So I'd probably go from my film, my favourite film, which is one that I watched with you actually in the cinema, which is. Uh, Arrival, just because I absolutely love that film so much, and also it's a little bit kind of like it's about like being in the time loop kind of thing as well, sort of thing. So I just that's one film that I watch. I, I sometimes when I get home, I just put it on, like just watch the first twenty minutes or something. That's my favorite film of all time. So definitely go for Arrival, and also quite good, quite quite a sad film in places as well. It gets me in my feelings a little bit, and I think sometimes when you I think sometimes when you're feeling miserable. You don't want to watch comedy. You just want to sort of lounge mm. in the mystery a bit more. So, I think that would be the perfect one for me. What about you? Oh, it's very tough because see, the thing is, like, I think the things that I'm sort of thinking is like, you know, like one of my favourite films is like There Will Be Blood, but I wouldn't want to watch that all the time because it's it's horrible. <laughs> you know, like it's a really dark, intense film, and I'm sort of thinking you want a film that's got a bit of like. A bit of everything in it, right? And I, you know, Godfather, obviously fantastic sort of film, but you know, I don't know if I'd want to watch that. That's the only thing I can watch. Good fellas would be up there. For, well, yeah, good because it's got a bit of everything in there. Again, that's sort of. I might. Do you know what? I might. I might. I might maybe go with like one of the Lord of the Rings films. You know, I might. I might go with the first Lord of the Rings. Fellowship of the Ring, isn't it? The first one. Yeah, they're just. I actually sort of think that they're sort of they're a bit underrated these days, aren't they? They kind of sort of disappeared into the ether a little bit. Like, I, I think, think Game of Thrones has kind of taken it. Yeah. Bit, Whereas what they did at the time is like unbelievable. Like, they will stand the test of time forever. I think that's like a perfect trilogy. I think an absolute perfect trilogy in every way. And like, just I haven't actually watched those for a long time, so I'm like, you might be able to get on that issue. Yeah, like, cause you know, to me, it's like good score. Like nice visuals, 
good blend of like, you know, you've got a bit of comedy in there, nice bit of action. It's got a bit of everything, I think. So, yeah, I might I might go Fellowship of the Ring, actually. You know, one film forever, um, just out of myself as a nerd. So, I mean, I don't think I've just outed myself as that, have I really? That's uh, long, long gone on that. Um, William Gardner, who do you reckon hosts a better barbecue? Ange or that sweaty Argentinian lemon? I mean, we're obliged to say Ange now, aren't we? That's the thing. Like, Yeah, yeah. of course. But I think that would be my answer anyway, just because I think, like, as much as I love the guy at the time, he's just a bit of a weirdo, you know? I mean, like, it's just, it would be sort of talking about things that when you just want to have, you just want to sit down with a beer with Ange and sort of talk about the world. And I think, I feel like Pushy would be going into philosophy and everything, wouldn't he, not all the time? Like, it's a bit like, come on, mate, let's just have a beer. Don't, about lemons. Do we yes. need to? Uh, do, do I need to have a lemon with everything? Do I need to have a side of lemons, really? Like on every single thing, and also like you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a bigger fan as the as the next man of a of a prime bit of Argentinian steak. But I think on a purely food level, I think there's a bit more variety to like a Greek barbecue, right? There's sort of there's several different kind of, you know, elements to it. You got like the Greek salad on the side as well. There, like I think you know. And if you're looking at the sort of the, the sort of output of it, Ange looks like he can put it away as well. So you know, you know, these sort of you're a bit worried about the calories, wouldn't you? And all that, you know, the fitness and behind everything, whereas Ange just be like, Yeah, let's get it all on there. Because po- Poch well, you can tell Poch is quite tortured. He yo yo's, doesn't he? He you, you you would always see those summers when he's come back. And he, he spoke about it quite a bit in his in that book, you know, the one he did with Balagay, where he was saying, you know, I I'm feeling too fat at the moment. I need to Go on, sort of, you know, go on a bit of a diet, I think. But whereas Ange was just like, you know, did did you hear his anecdote? I can't remember. It was on one of the podcasts he's been on, like when he was back back at Celtic and stuff. And he was just like, you know, the, what they started calling me in Scotland, and my wife was my wife found funny is that they all call me Big Ange, Big Ange. And he was like, you know, and he said my wife was like, see, look, I told you you need to lose weight because you know she's always on at me about losing weight because I like to, you know, I enjoy my food. Basically, sort of just says that as a sign, and you're like. I can totally see him just being like, you, you know, like all those old, like the <laughs> the bits in the Sopranos when Tony Soprano has those moments where he like weighs himself and he sort of compares himself to Bobby Bacala and then he tries to like have a light lunch and then you just see the next shot of him with like a massive ice cream sundae kind of thing because he's just like, fuck it, I don't care kind of thing. I can see Ange having that sort of trajectory thinking like, I'm going to have a salad for lunch today and he gets to like two in the afternoon and he thinks, oh, fuck it just goes and gets like some big like subway or something like that and has it on the sly in his office and i, I do think there's like a generally like a serious point behind the whole thing i i honestly believe like he's got to be one of the most personal managers in, in the in the game like full stop i think like he's i, I hang off his every word like everything but like i think you were tweeting about it at the time like when he i think it was on one of your posts that you were talking about the last couple of weeks actually went, like for example that shirt thing with the german like he, he handled that in such an amazing yeah. way like I just, I would love to, I would genuinely love to be his mate. I would love to just sort of have a beer with him in the pub. He's, I just, I really, really like the guy and the way that he talks and everything. I feel like, oh man, you just, I just think like if we put everything behind this guy, then he's going to be, it's going to be such a good couple of years if we really get it right. Like, and then I, I actually sort of go into his press conferences. Like, yeah, we had like three, four, even Oshino was terrible for it as well. Like, I had like four or five years of riddles sent me in press conferences. Yeah, yeah, really knowing what on earth is going on with this guy's like so concise so clear so like personable so emotive um yeah i, I couldn't be a, a bigger fan of the guy i really, really like him 
I think I he's kind of. Love that he's called me mate as well. Be <laughs> yeah, Ali's just gold. Wants... Ali Gold's gotten that already. Like, just do you know want what me mean? mate. I do. You know, I know another thing is. Have you seen this sort of discourse online that he's already pissed off with the Spurs interviewer that he's also annoyed by <laughs> by Miles? What? <laughs> Everyone's sort of going between the subjects in the interview that he's already annoyed with Miles. <laughs> <laughs> How can you be annoyed with Milesy? Like he seems like no. such a lovely fellow. Like um, definitely, uh, definitely a character saga to look out for. And where it says Milesy, yeah. <laughs> oh dear, I- I'm gonna have to keep an eye out for that. Actually, it's quite funny. That. Just as a concept, it just sounds funny. Do you know what I mean? That he'd just be annoyed with him. And it, 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 I, Ange does strike me as that type of bloke, though, where they'd be like. Why are, you, why are you being all terse with him? Like, you know, he's he's part of the furniture here. Everyone loves him. He's like, ah, I don't know. He just, something about the way he asked me that question. Do you know what I mean? Like, he'd just be like pissed off. I don't know. Imagine if that's his big transfer demands generally. Yeah, certain months, get rid of Miles. Miles on a free transfer. Um, Wes Johnson at Wesla. This is the last question, Bill. Are we going to be Leeds under Bielsa? Oof. What in terms of like, in terms of sort of have a decent season and then be almost relegated the one after or like? I well, I I don't know. I guess just be one of those teams that's really fun to watch, but it's shit. That's what I sort of took from that. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I really hope not. Like, it's just we have to get these centre backs right, don't we? Like, we just like because we, we we've got the attacking team, we've got the attacking side sorted. I don't think it'll be that bad. I know that sort of the leads. The Leeds games where they were sort of winning like five three, and again, then the next week they would lose like seven 0 I don't think we'll ever have a hammering like that bad. Um, I mean, I, we were half as fun to watch as the Leeds BS team was. I'll take that because it's been so miserable the next few years. But I don't know. I just, I just hope that we just get some centre backs, man. I think if we started the season right now with this current defence, yeah, we'd be Leeds Bielsa. But I, I assume the club are going to buy some centre backs. Surely, right? They fucking have to. Surely. Tell me that they're going to do it, please, Jack. We have to, man, because I just, like you were saying at the top, I think the main thing I want us to do now is if we are doing this, Andrew, if we are if we are kind of going with this, then back him as you would Conte. You know, we did back Conte. We spent a lot of money into Conte. And I just I just don't want, you know, you should think, well, you know, this guy is going to feel happy to have this opportunity, so he's not going to actually moan about it or anything. So we can kind of get away with, like, you know, not, not giving him everything but it's just it's it's non-negotiable right we we have to get that defense sorted and we have to just give this guy the best platform that he can possibly get in order to succeed because he has shown you know he's won he's won the asian cup with with australia and again no no disrespect to any australian listeners or anything but i doubt any of you were even expecting to ever see your team win that right like the guy is you know he's he's he, he, he does seem to be close to like not a miracle worker but he just feels like somebody that is right for for Tottenham Hotspur and I just want to see us really allow him to to, to show us that right yeah and I think like on a on a sort of existential level again like if you, if you Leeds might have been nearly been relegated under Bielsa but if you are the only Leeds fan of the last 15 years who their favourite managers they would all universally say Bielsa so if we are going to be like Lise Bielsa if we have that kind of connection to a manager then bring it on I don't really care what happens because that, that sort of summarise this whole podcast that we've been talking about it doesn't really matter what we do anyway because Man City are going to likely win the league like 
just give us a connection with the manager. Just let us go to matches and enjoy watching it. Let's let's get something like that, and then we'll worry about what happens next. So, if are we going to be Lisa and Bielsa? I hope so. I want that. I want that feeling that you die for a manager. That's what I want. So it's what we've been missing over the last you know four or five years. Um, so yeah, if we're going to be Lisa and Bielsa, so be it. Because I I want a manager that I would die for and I barbecue with, and you know this could be the one. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.